Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. to Start, Scale, Succeed. And today's podcast, I'm joined by Lydia Howard, who wears many hats when it comes to designing, developing, and mentoring those that want to start a footwear brand. Thank you very much for joining me today, Lydia. Hi, nice to have me. Before we go into everything, can you talk a little bit about your background and what you do? Sure. Um, So I am a footwear designer and developer um, based here in Spain. My background has, well, I've got about 20 years experience now, which makes me sound really old, um, designing shoes. So I started, I went to university and studied uh, footwear design at Leicester, De Montfort. And then I moved to, I had got a first job at Next. I worked at Mark Spencer's, worked at New Look, worked at Brands in London as well. And then I moved over here to Spain. So I have been designing and developing shoes for a long time for all sorts of different markets. Um, yeah, and and it was just time for me to branch out by myself, do these things on my own. And, and now I'm enjoying it, working with lovely clients. Today, we're going to talk about if you want to start a footwear brand, the things that you need to think about, how people can work with you. We're going to talk a little bit about sustainability as well and costings. So let's start with, if someone wants to start a footwear brand, now this is quite a broad question. Mm. Where should they where should they start? Well, I uh, get quite a few of these calls. Um, and when people ask me about shoes, it's they have everybody's got a different starting point. So it might be that they've got a product in mind that they want to do, or that um they've got a dream about designing shoes themselves, or they've got a factory that will make something for them. Um so it really is for me to have a discovery call with them. Usually it's about finding out where they are, where they are, what they what they have and how I can help them make that happen. So usually we have to do some work on their market. It's like, you know, studying the market, where they, what their product is, who they're catering for, who their customer is, who their competitors are, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's if you get a really good idea about this about the market area you can then move on to the product and about how your product is going to be a benefit to their customer and I think as long as you've got those things the foundation made I think it's really important that then you can move on to your product and work on something like that work with a designer and then with a factory and then you know working on product on on the production side of it but yeah and what are the what are the stumbling blocks that people come up against when they're first starting out then trying to to launch a footwear brand? Um, stumbling blocks is normally money because yeah. it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Um, and 
the time it takes. Those are the biggest hurdles, basically, because somebody a lot of the time people will say, like, well, I want to do, I want to do a footwear collection. I need it da. And we'd like to launch in three months' time. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. That's mm-hmm. just not gonna happen. Um, so let's take this back and we sort of like build it up and I try and give them a clear idea idea about what is what their expectations are. And I try managing my, the expectations of my clients is usually the biggest, the biggest job for me. Um, um, you talk there about money and costs. So you're working with Spanish factories. Mm-hmm. And so from a from a costings point of view and, and just understanding minimum order quantities, what kind of minimum order quantities do, do those factories have? Well, you've got to think about from a factory point of view, they make money on the pairs that they make. And mm-hmm. so the more pairs they make, the better it is for them. Um, so I always... And it's usually me that puts this on. I try and work with the minimum of 200 pairs. And that can be across two colours of one style. Um, But that's minimum. And like I said, I always try and explain to my clients that it's that is the basic minimum. Don't expect too much attention and too much like prioritising of your brand in this. Because if they've got, if a factory come in, all of a sudden they've got 800 or even 10,000 pairs to make for another brand, that's going to get priority over your 200 pairs. Yeah. So, you know, and, and also that works as far as, you know, materials, components, um, boxes. You know, my most recent struggle has been working with um, box suppliers. Yeah. They, they're only going to say you have to buy a thousand boxes. I'm like, well, we've got 200 pairs. <laughs> so anyway, managed to negotiate it. But a lot of the time it's all the way through, all across the board with the production is the minimum quantities is sort of, is always a struggle and that and just kind of focusing on costings and again in terms of that development process from the sampling and and I know it will depend whether um they're developing their own lasts or mm. using existing lasts from the factory what's more common for you do you get more people that are developing their own lasts or they using existing lasts in the factory and maybe just doing their own heels or I always try and work as a sustainable practice and obviously the most sustainable process is that we use a, a construction or a last that exists already. Yeah. Um, uh, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes the factory, for a factory to qualify for this project, usually they need to be able to do 200 pairs. They're happy to make the samples. They've got availability. Um, and they understand the process involved. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to this factory, it's their constructions that you need to use um and that's first and foremost and if you've got to go outside of that then you sort of you then have to either develop or you've got to source from another factory whatever it may be so sometimes they're not the most up-to-date styles so it's you know I can go to I've got last and heel suppliers that I go and visit and they'll have things that exist but you've got to sometimes they might not have the right size like for example I've got a few U.S clients that want to do bigger sizes so the size 42 43 but there's no heels available in that so then you've got to pay for a new mold for those heels so it's sort of it's one of those where you can use their constructions but you have to be smart with how you make the upper make it look a little bit more modern can you put a number on it then in terms of from a development point of view what on average that process part so before you even go into the actual order and it's this time yeah. anyways, whatever that whole development process how much does that usually cost yeah well again like I said if it's like 200 pairs my factories are good quality factories so um 
to you can't make affordable shoes in Spanish factories. You, no, and I don't think you wouldn't be going to Spain to no. make a, a cheap pair of shoes. No, no, exactly. So you're going to be talking about retail sales prices starting mm-hmm. from 100 pounds or euros, 85 minimum, minimum pound yeah. uh, upwards. So you're going to be buying the shoes usually around 37 euros to 65 it could be as well yeah um so that's sort of so if you're obviously that's 200 pairs by yeah 50 euros for example to take the middle and take middle ground so that's that price if you have to and that's usually including from the factory they'll give you that price but that's everything including including the tooling including materials including but they can only give you that price once they have all of the patterns all of the materials all of the components so they know what the price is going to be so they can say, right, for example, I'll give them a price, say, right, the target price is 45 euros. Let's not try and go too far out of that, which means that as a client and as what I've got to manage is make sure that they don't, we don't choose materials that, you know, cost 80 euros per square foot. Yeah. You know, there's no point in doing that. You can't afford it. If you're going to make a shoe for 50 euros, you need to choose a leather that's about 28 euros per square foot. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I think it's great for people when they use your services. You have all that knowledge that helps cut out so many mistakes and costs and time at the beginning Mm -hmm. than if they were trying to do something like this on their own, just because if they're not in the footwear world or know the footwear and the fact that you're on the ground with working with these factories, Mm -hmm. things can move a lot quicker and um, a lot quicker than, say, if they were trying to do it remotely or or not having your expertise with it. So if we were talking about, so we talk about in terms of starting a footwear brand, obviously knowing your market, understanding Mm -hmm. where your retail price points need to be, and then finding that right supplier for for you as well to to kind of move that process along. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about sustainable. I think footwear is one of the most hardest um, categories to be sustainable in. Yeah. Um, just because the nature of the product, how it how long it needs to wear, the testing that you need to do with it to make sure that it's fit for purpose, all of those kind of things. How are you working with your clients or what ways are you seeing that footwear can be more sustainable? Well, as a general rule, I always if I've got a free reign of materials, I always choose the most sustainable option, whether my clients ask for it or not. Um, We have the quality because Spain is of the level of price that it is then we have the option of being able to input, you know, like 50 cents more or some, or two euros more to be able to pay for the sustainable side. So it's chrome-free leather and it's organic cotton or recycled um, polyester, that sort of thing. I always try and opt for that. What about the adhesives that need to be used and, yeah. and that side of things as well? And also the materials. And I think that because there's a miss, people talk about vegan leather versus leather. And in, in my, in, when I've worked in the industry and mm. I used to buy footwear, vegan leather to me is just, it's just, it's PU. It's still plastic. Yeah. And it is, it is. A lot of the, you know, a lot of people are sort of promoting the vegan leather, but it's, it is, it's just PU. There are obviously the, the plant-based leathers that are out there the plant-based materials that do avoid the polyester the 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 petroleum but still a lot say like the deserto leather for example there's um the deserto made of cactus um vegan leather that is actually 70 percent pu Mm -hmm. but it's made from a plant base the cactus so you know it's sort of 
it, I always ask my clients about what their priorities are because somebody they'll come to me and say, we want it sustainable. We want vegan. We want um, it to be priced. It'll be this. It's like, right, hang on. What's more important mm-hmm. that it's sustainable or that it's vegan or that you have the right price because you can't have the three. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work the three. You've got to work out what's the right. So, um, you know, if it's vegan, then you're going to have to consider using PUs, yeah. particularly on certain styles. Like, for example, trainers, they look really good in the plant-based materials because they don't have sort of special sort of fine edges. They don't, it's all sort of, you can combine it with different small pieces. So you don't yeah. see the flaws of it. Um, but to do a, a female dress shoe with a beautiful sort of soft napper leathers would be used. You just don't get the same look. You you can't charge the same price mm-hmm. in as much, unless you are a big high flying brand sort of Stella McCartney sort of thing. Yeah. Very difficult for you to be able to charge a premium with a plant-based material upper because it just doesn't look good enough for you to warrant that price. Like you say, on, on a particular product, on, on the trainers. Yes, exactly, exactly, um, on that particular product. And with foot, because footwear, obviously, it's a hard-wearing item, mm. you know, you need to make sure that it's fit for purpose. What are the the vegan leathers the or, the, you know, the more plant-based leathers? So you talked there about the cactus one. I've heard mushroom, the mycelium is, yeah. it, is, yeah. is good as well. Yeah. So what other ones are out there that you recommend people could to have a look at? There's, there's obviously there's Pinatex, which is the pineapple leather. Um, that's been around for quite a while. And there's, a, there's, there's the apple leather as well. I mean, they can, I think more or less, there's a, there's a Dutch company that are doing sort of plump, um, like making leathers out of fruit pulp. And so it's not, so it's anything like you can be from like a, you can get your sources from a juice bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they all exist. But the problem is, is that um, is I've contacted them all. I've contacted them all and you just can't get the minimums. Right. The, uh, the mushroom leather, for example, they are having so many inquiries that they just don't, can't deal with. They can't deal with smaller, yeah. with smaller companies. Like they're all, and <laughs> I've written to them about it as well, but it's sort of like, well, you know, my clients want to use it. They can pay for it. They've got that margin for it, but because of the high demand, they're just dealing with Adidas, Stella McCartney. Yeah. yeah all of the bigger brands because they're the ones that are most interesting for them. They're, they're getting the most, they're getting the most coverage. I've always thought there needs to be like a broker, like a middle person that basically buys all these kind of materials in for smaller brands. So they become, they're the big person in the middle yeah. and they can yeah. buy those materials in for the yeah. small brands and the smaller brands yeah. can work with them rather than having to go straight to. Exactly. Exactly. No. And, and that's, that would be a really good option actually, if it was just a case of this one particular person was a specialist in these particular materials that goes, right, I'm going to sell this to lots of different people. And mm-hmm. yeah, that would work. That would really work because it's like I said, it's to get hold of any of these plant-based materials is really difficult tried to use them on sort of 300 pairs before now and it's just we just don't meet the minimums you've got to order yeah. like 700 meters of it and it's like I don't need that it's a strappy sandal <laughs> yeah and when you're sourcing so if a customer is or if, if someone is looking at suppliers what are the kinds of things that they should be looking out for when you approach suppliers as far as materials concerned or factory just in general um, I would say kind of what are the things that they should be asking about um, if they want to work with a factory, um, you know, they want to work with a particular supplier, what are the things that they should be asking them? Um, well, actually, that's a really good question because I've actually made a download 
for this on my site because it's really the sort of it's one of those like how do you know if it's good for you and and then what do you want need to hear from those questions as well so the um, as far as like materials concerned you need to know what their minimums are mm -hmm. but first of all you probably need to have your product to know how many meters you need to buy yeah so say for example a strappy sandal is only going to need you know it's only going to need a few square meters like it could be 200 square meters of a, a leather whereas if you've got a boot you're going to need double that you know yeah. so it's sort of you need it's it's the process in place for you to be able to know what you need to get so for you to be able to speak to a supplier you need to have how many meters you want and that's from the factory they will give you that once you've got an idea of what the upper is and what the consume how how would you say what the wastage is i'm trying i can only think of the words in spanish <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically what the waste is and what you're going to need, because again, like I said, you could be using, if you've got a print on a material, you're only going to use a little part of it yeah. and you're going to waste a lot of it because you want to repeat that particular print mm -hmm. for the shoes to look the same. Um, as, and then, so if you're going to a supplier and looking for materials and you need to know if they've got color cards, so minimums, color cards, what the minimums are, if you want to make your own color, because it might be a case of that they can, you know, you can get sort of like a crass leather and you can make your own colors, but you need to be able to achieve a minimum because they need to be able to dye it together. Very much similar to the fabric. If they deal with sort of the transportation of it, because that's another thing that I've come across is like I've ordered materials and they go, right, your materials are ready. And you go, okay, send them here. And like sort that out yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes that's, um, that's a bit of a surprise because some people do it, some people don't. But yeah, and then as far as a factory is concerned, that's a big ball game. If you're going to talk to a factory, you need to know what their minimums are, what their timeline is, if they include samples, and what that first sample includes. Is it a prototype and then a second sample? Mm -hmm. Is it do you get to a final sample and it's all paid for within that one price? Yeah, their timelines as far as how far they can do it and what sort of support they need sometimes. Because I've worked with different factories that will just take the project off your hands and just go and do it. And yeah. they'll talk to you. But then others, they're like, okay, we haven't got this black leather. I'm like, do you have one in the factory? No. Okay, I'll go and find one. But it means that you've got to go and do, do everything. That work. Yeah, and have those connections. In terms of payment terms with yeah. uh, the factories, what's the general payment terms that... that you find that in Spain? Um, general payment terms here is a case of that you pay for a sample up front, you give them the spec and you pay for your samples. That can be, depending on the style, that can be between 250 euros to like 500. Yeah. 600 it's got to. Um, but that, like I said, that depends on the tooling and, and the materials that are involved with that. Um, and that will include first sample, second sample, till you get the sample right Mm -hmm. to go to production the gold seal sample so to speak um and then payment terms for production is that you it's normally it can be between 30 and 50 percent up front for the factory to then go and purchase the materials and then on completion you pay the final installment of the 70 or 50 percent that's remaining yeah. and then Sorry, and then the transportation that you'll have to sort out. Yeah, <laughs> get get onto DHL or whoever it might be. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, how have you found it since Brexit? But I haven't been doing this part since Brexit. I was always a designer, but obviously I'm not affected too much by it because I'm in Europe. So yeah. all my connections are here. But I do know that 
you know, my friends who still work in the footwear industry have, have really suffered with the duty and the sort of import and export and it's um it's been a bit of a problem for them. And what are the common mistakes that you've seen when people are building a footwear range? I'm sure you get people that come to you halfway through a project or, you know, going, oh, my God, help, this has happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of um, one very lovely client of mine, um, um, she came to me with sort of these samples and or she'd had failed attempts at making samples and 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 dealing with um, some Spanish suppliers. Um, the agents that they'd been working with had put things into work and then disappeared. So right. they'd taken the money and then the samples came back, they're bad, nobody's following. And it's because she wasn't important enough because she hadn't put enough money behind, like I want, you know, 300 pairs, 200 pairs, 300 pairs. It was like, I just want to get a few pairs. And then, and so when they realize it's not that important, they don't want to put the effort in. So the poor girl, in as much she was passionate about it. She really wanted it. She's like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And she'd found another factory in China. I was like, I'm just going to try and do it here. So I helped her out with making the right specs. Well, mm-hmm. correcting the samples that she got from that particular factory, make, helping her sort out the right questions. So I did it as sort of a mentorship yeah. service, really. And then I helped her with the corrections of samples and things. And um, they've come back really well. And, and the factory are really good. It, it really is. Sometimes it really is about working with the right factory and having that right connection with them. And like you say, setting yourself up for success yeah. at the beginning and yeah. doing, knowing what you want, knowing, getting yeah. sure your specs are right. And mm. just, I suppose, understanding with, because people don't realise with footwear that there's quite a lot of tests that, that are involved to make sure that, that need to be done. Well, I know from my, when I was working, mm. and obviously yeah. working for That's, a retailer, we would have been doing, you know, yeah. tests in terms of yeah. some one tests, slip yeah. tests, yeah. You know, heel attachment, yeah. all those kind of things. Do they all still need to be done? Like, how is that managed in well, the business side of things? This is the thing. I mean, you can you can hire if you're a small brand, you can hire a technician to do those tests, and you can go to the Sartre in the UK, and there's also there's Inniscope here in Spain, and so you can have those tests done, but it comes at a cost, you know. Mm-hmm. So i I don't necessarily rec- I don't suggest it or recommend it to my clients because their quantities are so much smaller and also they're not kids if it was kids wear I would definitely sort of like say let's go and have this tested let's go get the is the last the right fit for a production let's go and speak to a podiatrist let's go and get the slip test done on these new outsoles we've made then I would do it but as far as sort of like adult shoes I'm not it I don't put it I don't suggest it because it's just more cost and in as much as the you know they're already paying. A lot of them are already paying, you know, 30,000 It's about $300 a test? Or I don't know how much it is, to be fair, um, because we've not sort of, I've not gone down that route. They, I don't know how much it is. But like I said, it's you speak to the factories and you go, do you do this? And they'll sort of like, sort of wrinkle their nose up and say no. <laughs> you know? But they say that about sustainability as well. So, you know, it's a lot of the time it's about asking the questions to find out whether it's something that's normal for them to do. Yeah. And then you sort of can gauge whether it's important to you and your client and, and, and what you're what you need to do. Yeah. And yeah. Lydia, how can people work with you? What way do they work with you? Um, well, um, like I said, I've got different services. So first and foremost, I'm a freelance designer. So if you've got an idea, um, I help bit 
create that come to life basically doing the market research helping you with the market research and finding the products that's on trend making sure that it's something that's valid for your market um and then doing sketches and and specs as well um and then uh people also work with me with the mentorships like for example they've gone through the process um made lots of mistakes and need some support um or even just starting out just help them with the process of what to expect and how to ex- how to go through the process without somebody was saying just without being an idiot basically or being mean like do I do I need to shall I claim for these samples tomorrow like no right it's going to take them at least three weeks to make this sample so let's just not send them an email just yet okay (laughs) and then I I help people uh, make their technical specs too so perhaps they've got a designer that you know they've done a sketch but they don't know the technical terms or they don't know how to make that make a functional spec which is sometimes a really important process that people miss out they send it to the factory and the factory's got to work out you're going to pay a premium straight away from the factory and a lot of times you're not going to get back what it is that you really want yeah that first sample is going to come back look like it's been made with a knife and fork rather than exactly exactly and it's like all the edges are not nice all that sort of stuff um and then yes i do sort of like the sampling the product development and things here as well so it's, I don't do everything. Like I, I definitely have sort of support where I need the support, you know, in the factories <laughs> and things like that. But I do sort of help them work, um, make sure that the communication, for me, it's really important that the communication between the factory and the client is there. And so that's where I work as a middleman. Mm-hmm. But um, sure it happens. Yeah. But then trying to give valid advice and um trend rather than it's a that's a solution that's the only option you've got because that's what I used to get from agents and I didn't enjoy that <laughs> no and I, I, it's not true as well there's always a way I know from my time being in the factories you know and I, I so miss I see your factory visits on Instagram like I want to go back to a somewhere yeah. factory because yeah. it's such an interesting industry and just I always learn all, something yeah and, and how it all works together and everything and you know having that someone in the factory that can speak face to face and also just being like you said there's always a solution there's a workaround to something it it should never really be no there's a, yeah. there's a way to yeah. get to what you need to get to I yeah. feel anyway yeah. you know and there's a and that's part of customer service as well you know it's mm-hmm. like it's not just being like this is a no I mean sometimes you've got to be like somebody wants to make a, a 50 euro shoe and they want to use 80, 80 yes. euro square meter you yeah. have to say mm, look no. no that's not going to happen yeah but um, and then yeah, you know, this one it looks like it. Yes, exactly, like exactly. And yeah. it's just, I mean, God, I've learned that for the so many years that I've done in temp, that like worked in Tempe and working with head office, mm-hmm. um, in Inditex. It was a case of that you know you present and they'll go, oh, that, that's there, and it's like, yeah, but perhaps if we put that one in that material, they understand, they sort of visualize it better. But mm-hmm. you've got to be able to negotiate. You've got to be able to be able to to work with with customers and the factories with that. Yeah. And where can people find you, Lydia? I have my website at footweardesigninsight.podia.com it is at the minute, they're hosting it. Obviously on Instagram at lydia.creates.shoes. Uh, so yeah, so there's so I'm there on both platforms. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I try and recommend people to sort of do a, a discovery call first of all, and then we can work out whether things are in line because, you know, I can't do affordable shoes in Spain, but I can certainly help you with the mentorship in China, Joey. Okay. So that sort of thing. 
Fantastic. Well, I'll make those links will be a, included here in, in the notes for the podcast as well. So thank you very much, Lydia, for joining me oh, today. Thank you and very much. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back next week again with another great guest. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a review. And thank you for listening to Start, Scale, Succeed. Thank you.